you're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today we are joined by, we get a, we got a two for today. We got two guys from uh, Blue Oak Capital. Um, super excited to hear from Cody and Brian. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us, Sterling. Always a pleasure to be here, bud. Sterling, really now, appreciate you having us on. Thank you. Can y'all, can y'all both give a, a, a brief introduction to yourselves and kind of where you came from and what you guys are doing in the space today? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Cody Laughlin, managing partner here at Blue Oak Capital, head of acquisitions, uh, been in real estate since 2010, stumbled into real estate investing by way of becoming an accidental landlord and uh, had no idea what I was doing. All I knew is that somebody was living in my home, paying my mortgage, and that was pretty cool. So shortly after that, read the Purple Bible, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and completely changed my life, both personally and professionally, and started pursuing real estate entrepreneurship since then. So over the past decade, kind of ventured out of real estate, tried to explore some non-real estate business ventures and learn some very costly expensive lessons along the way, but, uh, you know, got recommitted back to real estate several years back. And then very quickly after spending more time in the single family space, transitioned to multifamily, met my partners, Brian and John launched Blue capital. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, focused exclusively on existing multifamily across central Texas here. So, uh, that's my story. I'll kick it over to Brian. Great story. Uh, so, just like Cody, I'm here in Houston, Texas, and I fell into real estate in 2018. My wife and I had just gotten married and we were saving money for a couple of years, ready to buy that first, that first home, you know, that dream home, so to speak for, and we were reading, I was reading a lot of books on real estate in general, how to buy a house, how to work with a realtor, such and such. And all those books really have little nuggets in them about investing as well. So I fell down the rabbit hole for investing, I found things like bigger pockets, which I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with and started networking with people, started reading more started listening to a lot of podcasts as well. And eventually uh, just decided, you know what, real estate is a great vehicle for not only cash flow, for example, but also building and preserving your wealth, which is really important because there's that saying, right? It's not how much you make, it's how much you keep, which is uh, something that I was always aware of. And as I continued to age and, you know, sort of advance my career, I wanted to be able to preserve my wealth. So I uh, didn't know what I didn't know though. And, you know, started thinking really small is what I like to tell people because mindset is so important in this game and really only thought that real estate was, I have this amount of dollars in my savings account. That's 20% of something. That's what I can go buy. Sure. I didn't know anything about, uh, you know, hard money. I didn't know anything about JVs. I didn't know anything about raising capital. So I was thinking small and I was like, okay, well, I'll just buy some single houses anytime I had a, a little extra money. I started doing that and very quickly realized that it did not match my personality and was not going to help me uh, hit my goals because uh, single family to me at least had a very low uh, return on effort. It was a lot of work and I like to tell people there aren't enough zeros at the end of the checks. Um, so it, it was one of those things that I had an epiphany after doing it for about 18 months and said, you know what, if I'm going to go big and sort of build my portfolio before my wife and I have a, a family, we don't have any kids yet. And now's the time. Now's the time to take that risk, so to speak. So early 2020, uh, right around the time COVID, I actually decided to make the exclusive pivot over to multifamily. Uh, that's when I met John, our first partner. And then I eventually met Cody. We joined the same multifamily mentorship group. And uh, I guess you can say the rest is history. We're here in 2022 and uh, got right around 800 units on our belt and just trying to make good things happen in the space. 
Awesome. Awesome. Lots of, lots of things that uh, kind of hit home from, from both of those introductions, Cody, I was an intentional landlord and uh, I didn't know what I was doing either. <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely feel that. And, and, and Brian, you said uh, you wanted to dive in before you got kids at me. I remember, I remember like going on runs, listening to bigger pockets. And I remember just before, right before I had kids, uh, I got in, in interested in real estate in 2018 just like you. And, and my first son was born in the summer of 2019. And I knew, I knew then that like, I was going to have my hands full. And like, if I, if I like dove in head first and I was neck deep in this thing, by the time the busy showed up with the kids, I wouldn't have any like option, but to stay in the thick of it. Cause I was already in up to my neck. So like, it, I, I tell people all the time, if I found out about real estate investing today with the hyperest two-year-old on the planet and a one-year-old screaming all the time, there's no, I wouldn't do it. Right. I would just stick to my day job because I'm so overwhelmed with all of the busyness that comes associated with that. But since I'm already in the thick of it, I just keep going. And, I, and, and so that foresight to know, like, I better jump now before all these other th- obstacles, or I'll just be one of those people looking back in 30 years going, you know, I always back in 2020, I was really th- thinking about, I almost pulled the trigger. So that's huge. And, and, and I tell people that all the time, especially people that, that don't have kids yet, like do it now because man, the, cause when I talk to people with like three young kids that want to get started, I'm like, they're like, I just don't have time. I'm like, I know, <laughs> I, I believe you. You know? Those are super valid points. And I know Cody's probably got some great comments with three kids of his own. Yeah. I was going to say, I used to have uh, more hair on my head and less gray on the beard. So, uh, it, the struggle's real. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so Cody, did, did you, did you go from single family to, did you, did you say you, you tried single family and you also didn't like it and then transitioned to multifamily? Yeah. Well, very similar to Brian, you know, I did, I spent a lot of time in single family. I tried wholesaling for a brief period of time, you know, starting out like most people in real estate, I didn't have a lot of capital. Wholesaling seemed like a great avenue to build a, um, you know, capital base without having to actually go acquire, uh, buildings. And so I tried that and realized very quickly that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of grunt work and it takes a lot of patience. And when I first started, I was very impatient. So I was like, man, this isn't, this isn't working for me. But then, like I said, I had my single family rental that I accidentally fell into and that made more sense. Again, I had somebody paying my mortgage and where the really big aha moment for me was when I went to my, my CPA that first year and I started benefiting from the depreciation, I was like, Oh, I got to do more of this. Right. And so long story short, again, I spent several more years trying to build an infrastructure around, you know, a real estate business and, and, you know, pursuing other strategies. I tried uh, doing a couple single family flips, realized that was just working myself into another job, constant mm-hmm. headaches, contractors, uh, you know, time spent. And as Brian alluded to, it, it was very little return on time and effort. And, you know, again, the whole intent was how do I build my equity so I can get into bigger, better properties. And, you know, after doing that, the, the single family flip is really what pushed me over the edge. After I did that for a little bit, I was like, you know what, screw this. Like, I, you know, my whole intent for going down this journey was to be able to obtain that financial independence. And all I was realizing, I was just working myself into a second job. I, I talk to investors every day that don't get that, that, you know, they, they, 
they they fall in love with the concept of real estate investing for all of the reasons that we fall in love with the concept of real estate investing from the rich dad poor dad you know uh, buying assets that cash flow and financial freedom and lifestyle freedom and all this stuff and then so they they quit their job and they go get a real estate license and or or they they go start a wholesaling business and and like you know as a as a, like a sales professional for corporate america like there's really no difference there, right? Like if you're going and and you're you're like talking to a million homeowners that are telling you to screw off while you're trying to buy their house in a distressed situation, or you're you know a, a real estate agent that's just constantly song and dancing and come look at the house, like you're not you're not in any better situation than you were working at Exxon, you know, for 150 grand a year. Like so so I, I'm I always I'm always very intentional about to make sure like we keep the main thing, the main thing, let's keep my real estate investing, my real estate investing. This is like a long-term pass, you know, ultimate end up goal of a passive type of activity that is, um, that is not a, another job and having, I've never wholesaled before, but flipping houses is a terrible headache. <laughs> oh it, yeah, it is. But and it, it's a mindset shift, right? Sterling. I mean, it's, you're either going to do real estate investing as a hobby or you're going to do it as a business. Now you have guys that go out there and they buy a home and they, you know, they do whatever they maybe hold it or they flip it, whatever the case may be. And it's just a hobby. It's just something that they enjoy to do. And that's fine. If you want to continue to do that, that's great. But if you're really looking to transition into real estate investing, because again, you're looking for that financial independence or, you know, a diversification of your portfolio. If you're looking for long-term wealth, you have to understand that you're actually getting into a business, a small business. And so you have to build out the infrastructure of operating and owning a small business. And that's the difference. And that's where you got to kind of start looking at strategies and figuring out what fits your investing thesis and your long-term vision. Because if you're going to operate your real estate investing portfolio as a hobby, then you're, you know, you're just going to be really frustrated here in a couple of years wondering why that, why you're not, you know, the next Grant Cardone. So sure. Yeah, so, real estate investing too is, I mean, we all know this. Cash flow is nice. We love cash flow, but you don't build wealth through cash flow. You build wealth through equity and appreciation, which basically means time, which is hard yeah. for a lot of people because they get into real estate and you see these, which we're going to say Grant Cardone, right? You see these guys, the cars and the watches. And you're like, I want that. I want that. And patience is a problem for all of us. That's why we're entrepreneurs. We're hungry. We want to get there tomorrow. Right? I, get, so. I, get, I get impatient watching Blue Oak Capital on Facebook. <laughs> I, as I, and that is my next question. But before I get to my next question, I have a comment. Um, uh, you know, I just wanted to t hats off to you guys. So just for our listeners, I met Blue Oak a few months back, we were looking at working on a project together and we were just very impressed with all of their marketing and all of their, and, and anyway, when I was doing my goal planning this year, uh, usually, you know, when I look at my goal planning, it's around number of units or, 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 you know, cash flow or, or net worth or whatever. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all these metrics and, and how I measure them and want to improve. Well, I saw something from y'all's Facebook post uh, I, I don't remember which one of you it was, but I think you probably shared the same one that inspired me. And I incorporated that in my goal planning. And one of the metrics that you, that you cited 
was how many investors you added to your investor base. And the other metric was how many dollars in private equity you placed. So now my two main goals for 2022 are around how many investors I'm going to add to my database and how many dollars of private equity I'm going to place. And that is 100% from you guys. So thank you all for that. That's very cool, man. We appreciate that. So my question on the other end of that is, how did you guys, I mean, y'all have had a tremendous amount of success in, in this space in a very short period of time from the partnerships that you've worked with to the number of doors and the, the size of the projects you've worked on. And anybody who's, who follows you in any form of social media or watches your podcast, they, they, they just know y'all have top tier, top quality marketing, and you're just great at building relationships as well. What is your secret? What do you think sets you apart from... Um, you know, several other folks that have been doing it just as long and haven't had quite that, that success. What do you think you did different? That's a great question. And I I don't know that there's one right answer. I mean, listen, there's so many different uh, pieces to building out, uh, you know, this funnel and building out this, this framework. Right. And number one, I think it boils down to relationships. And I mean, we always hear in the industry, you know, it's not, uh, what you know, it's who you know, right? And so uh, it starts with building out relationships. I mean, if you could have the best deal in the world, but if you don't have a database of partners or investors you can bring it to, you have nothing, you have a dream, you know? So I think for anybody that's listening, that's, you know, a reflection point that you need to really be considering is, you know, it, real estate at its core is very simple. It's deals or dollars, you know, you either you got sure. one or the other, or hopefully even both. But uh, but if you have the deal, but you don't have the dollars, you got to go find it. And so I would argue for anybody that's listening, if you don't have a database or a network, you got to go build that out first. So it starts with being genuine. It starts with being visible. Um, it starts with being uh, giving out something of value, which is again education or resources or networking, uh, connecting other people together. Um, you know, and just really continue to nurture those relationships uh, in hopes that it becomes a long-term uh, fruitful relationship. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, it's really hard. I think we, we did a podcast episode. I'll put a shameless plug in there about this kind of topic. Uh, people, people ask us Sterling, and I'm sure you've get this question too, right? They're like, what's the secret? What's, you know, what's the sure. secret that's sort of put you where you're at. Right. And what's hard, what people don't want to hear is there's no like one thing, like go start doing this tomorrow and you're going to wake up and find that success. It just doesn't work that way. It's a bunch of little things consistently over a long period of time. And again, it goes back to time patience, right? That's the hard part. You have to wake up every day. And we had a podcast guest, what about a year ago, right? Cody. And he had 22,000 units. Okay. Stop and think about that for a second. And we asked him, like, he's been through so many cycles and we asked him, well, you know, basically what you're asking is he's like, look, I wake up every day. I put my jeans on just like you do one leg at a time and I go to work. Right. So having the right conversation, talking to the right people, finding a way to add value to others. And if you can't in the moment, what they're looking for, connect them with somebody who can add value to them. And I think that's been just one of our core philosophies is, you know, if we talk to an investor that's looking for a certain type of asset, certain type of return, and that's not what we're doing, let's connect them with somebody who is or vice versa. Let's connect vendors. How many people have we connected to legal teams, to property managers? Uh, People just take you a little bit more seriously when they know you're constantly adding value to their business and they find a way to support you. So I think, you know, just relationships being genuine and then showing up because a lot of people say they want to buy real estate and you see them one time 
or you see them two time and they stop showing up to the meetup. They stop, you know, they stop listening to the podcast. They stop reading the books because they're like, ah, that was too hard. I'm going to move on to the next shiny object. Yep. A lot of people get into the space and and they hear all the guru stuff, right? Or they hear the big flashy stuff at the conferences. And then when they actually go try to put some of this in application, they realize, oh crap, this is a lot of work, you know, and it's, it's labor intensive. There's no doubt about it. We were joking earlier in the show, you know, like, there's been a lot of sleepless nights, <laughs> you know, especially with families and the day to day and then operating your business. So, uh, and for a lot of people, once they get that wake up call, they're like, Oh, you know, this is not what I thought it was, but that's sure. the difference between those who are successful, you know, and those who are just talking, you know, people yeah. like Brian said, just show up and put the work in. But the beautiful thing about real estate, Sterling, and you know, this, and I don't want to keep hitting on this point is there, there's a place in it for everybody right? Not everybody has to be active, right? You don't have to be looking for deals and raising capital and asset management, but you can still enjoy the benefits of real estate, which is why we love all what we do. It's why we love syndication. You know, what you do as well, Sterling is because we can find a way to add value to other people who want the benefits of real estate, but maybe don't have the time. They have time to look at a deal, talk to a sponsor, analyze it, decide it's a good deal for them, send their money on in, and then they just get to enjoy the ride. So uh, that's the great thing about real estate is it doesn't matter you know, you hear, you hear, you see, they're kind of clickbait, but you can get in real estate without having any money. You just got to be creative. And if you have a lot of money, you can be in real estate too. There's kind of a, a shoe that fits everybody. You just got to figure out what works for you. Absolutely. Well, and I'm sorry that Sterling, just Go that, Brian, that hits right back home to what we mentioned earlier, the relationships, right? You don't always have to be the guy that has the money yourself or has the deals yourself. But if you know the people that do, then you can pull resources together. So you know, like I said, it, it all works in tandem together. Sure. So, and this is the part of the show where I selfishly get a free coaching session. So where you guys have had the most success and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from just from my, you know, brief observation where y'all, where y'all have had the most success thus far is on the capital raising side. Correct. So what, what, Diving into the details, what specifically does that look like? Um, where do you find most of these investors? What do these interactions look like? You mentioned providing education. Are you are you meeting them at conferences? Are you meeting them at your meetup? Are they clicking on some form of free ebook that you have? Where's kind of break down where you meet these these investors and and how you build and nurture those relationships. Yeah, I think this is a topic that Brian and I both love speaking to because this is something that we're very, very proud of because, you know, we've, I think that we've not to pat ourselves on the back, but we've done a really good job of building out our, what we call our lead funnel, you know, and when you think about what that is, like what is a lead funnel, it's exactly what it sounds like. If you vision a cone, right, the cone is the widest at the top, and then it gets narrowed down to the opening at the bottom. Well, when it comes to your lead generation or your lead sourcing, the top of the funnel is really one of the most important parts of that funnel because that's your touch points with investors. And so that's your, you know, engagement with new investor leads. And that's through, like you mentioned, you know, the networking events, it's a big one, uh, whether that be virtual or in person, uh, thought leadership platforms like a podcast, you know, uh, we have our blogs, we have our newsletters, you know, we do have our eBooks, we, all these different pieces of content that we're putting out, trying to attract people into the top of that funnel. Right. And then once they get into the top of the funnel, the real work starts in the nurturing piece, right. Is how do you take that from a cold new relationship to actually somebody that may potentially be an interested investor. And then that just compounds off of, again, some of those 
educational piece of the content. And Brian, I'll let you speak to that if you'd like. Yeah. I mean, Cody hit the nail on the head. It's about having a really wide funnel. Dan Hanford likes to talk about the investor triad. He asks the question, you know, do people need to know you like you or trust you, which one's more important? And the answer is that people have to know you because they can't like you and they can't trust you, which means they can't wire you any money and partner with you on any deals if they don't know who you are. So our philosophy is very similar. We want to, as many people as possible to know who we are and make the decision, decision of the judgment call. Do they want to do business with Blue Oak Capital? But people have to know us. So we have to be active on social media. We have to be present in front of groups, you know, trying to get on stages. We have to provide value in the form of educational content through our podcasts, through our virtual meetup, webinars, different things of that nature. So we just try to find a way to add as many, as much value and be as uh, forward facing as possible. And then Cody hit the nail on the head that you have to nurture those relationships and realize who's serious and who's not. Cause a lot of people fall into your funnel that we talked about, you know, people that say they want to invest in real estate, but never do. You're going to get some of that, which is okay. You can still, you know, find a way to add value to those people sometimes, but once they're in your funnel, it's like, how do you nurture them? And what we're doing right now, recording a podcast is a great way to nurture people that are in your funnel, investors doing meetups or webinar educational series, great way to nurture people. And then ultimately getting on the phone and having conversations with them as well. And just showing them who you are, telling them what you're doing, seeing if your investing thesis aligns with theirs. If yes, you know, keeping those touch points, uh, as many touch points as possible, because Hunter Thompson talks about this a lot and we're, you know, we're big fans of his model. And as you grow your database of investors, you know, there becomes a point of scalability where if you have you know, 10, 20,000 people in your database, you can't have one-on-one -on -one phone calls with them all the time. Right. So how do you add those other touch points that make them feel like they're constantly engaging with you over the phone, but they're not in a podcast or a YouTube video or a webinar. Those are great ways to do that. So that nurturing piece is super important. Yeah. And there's one other piece too, that's really important as you're built, as you start building out this funnel, um, look, it's not easy. It's a lot of work, you know, and, and we started when we first started, we were putting out a lot of content podcast meetup and stuff. We were, we were doing the middle part of that funnel, but we didn't have the top part, which is how do we get yeah, all the sure. people to know who we are? And so we really pivoted and spent a lot of time building that out, but you first have to really first identify who you are as an investor, what's your investing strategy. And then once you define that, then you need to go figure out who is your ideal investor avatar or lead avatar. You know, who are you trying to engage and network with and build out your funnel and your nurturing framework to attract and appeal to that particular investor? Because you have a lot of guys and, and I think it's natural as you're starting, you want every and anybody to know you and talk with you. You know, you're just trying to just be as visible as you can, which works to a degree, but eventually what you'll find, and Brian, you mentioned this earlier, right? Where you start getting a lot of leads or a lot of connections that really aren't adding a reciprocal value, you know, meaning that they're really not somebody that's going to end up doing business with you or help you grow your business. And so you really got to start getting very specific on who exactly are you trying to target and engage with to help you accelerate your business? Because you don't want to be spending, uh, you, you know, wasteless time, uh, you know, and networking and things like that with somebody who's really not going to be adding any benefit to you or vice versa. So, Absolutely. I don't know if that answered your question or not, but no, definitely that that's a, that's a very great comprehensive answer. I'm taking mental notes and I'm going to uh, bring it to the drawing board after we hang up. Yeah. Uh, I think Cody, uh, Cody's point about the avatar is super important. So know who your investor is Sterling, because when he said earlier, when we were starting to raise capital, you kind of want to work with everybody because you're just trying to raise, right. You're trying sure. to get the, the deal done, but 
so not every, not every investor is going to be for you, Sterling. And that's okay. If somebody tells you no, that's okay. So do you mind sharing what your avatar is? I, I, and, and I'm just, I get caught up on this topic, this, you know, I'm very familiar with the concept, but you know, I, I read Hunter's book and one of the things I loved about his book is early in the book, his story about, I, I tried to go present to all these rich people I knew and not one of them gave me a penny. He goes, and then it like clicked that like, they're just not the type of investor that wants to invest in these alternative type assets. And, and there's plenty of people who do, and I just need to go find them rather than trying to convert people. So are you going after people with predisposition to real estate investing, people that have already been investing in other syndications versus trying to turn the engineer who loves his 401k? You're absolutely. So we're looking for the accredited investor who has real estate knowledge or experience and who has invested in syndications before. And I'll tell you why. And, and you probably know this, Sterling, and people who are listening probably know this pain. If you've ever tried raising capital, the hardest people to raise capital from friends and family are people who have never invested in real estate. Sure. You're educating on the fly, right? You're having to coach and mentor them on why they should add real estate to their portfolio. But if you're talking to somebody who's crypto portfolio is blowing up or whose stock portfolios, you know, accelerating 30, 40%, why in the world they're going to want to invest in real estate? You know what I mean? Right. So you're going to have a very hard time trying to manage that message. And what you're going to end up doing is spending a lot of wasted time and effort only to end up nowhere. So it's very important that you need to go specifically find the type of investors that are number one, aligned with your investing thesis. What is it that you're trying to do the type of buildings you're trying to buy, does that fit their strategy as well? And who have the experience? It's a lot easier talking and networking with an investor who's invested in the syndication before versus trying to coach grandma on what a sure. private placement offering means and what a <laughs> PPM document is and such and such. So, I mean, Cody said it again, we know we focus on the high net worth accredited investor with investing experience. You know, the conversations are much different. You know, you're not having the same conversations that you would for somebody who's sophisticated, who's maybe never done this before. And, uh, you know, that's just our investor avatar. We figured that that's what works best for us. And, you know, it, it, knowing your avatar is really important on your deal hunting as well, right? Because you have to be looking at assets that your investors are attracted to. And if you're working with, you know, accredited investors who are, let's say, looking for more wealth preservation, than in tax benefits than they are say cash flow because they have a job that pays them half a million dollars a year. Sure. They have a huge 401k. They have all kinds of other investments in real estate. is just a part of their portfolio. Their needs as an investor are very different than Absolutely. the investor who just found out about real estate and thinks that they're going to, you know, get rich and retire from their job in three years. Right. It's a very different investor. That's a cash flow, a heavy cash flow investor. They might be looking for eight, 10, 12%. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just about knowing your investor avatar. And that really helps you go look for those types of deals. Because if your database is all cash flow heavy investors, then you're going to be searching for value add, likely C-class opportunities. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to know that going in. If your investor avatar is the other way around, they're a little bit more risk averse. Maybe they're a little bit towards the tail end of their career. They're you know early, mid, late fifties, early sixties. They're using a lot of self-directed money and they're looking for wealth preservation and diversification. You're going to chase different types of assets. You're going to be looking at those B plus, A minus assets, right? So knowing your avatar really helps define your entire business, your messaging that comes along with it. So it's, it's really ground zero. It's really important to know. Awesome. That's a great point. Um, 
What is what is next for Blue Oak Capital? We're going to buy the whole city. That's right. We're taking the world down. <laughs> Grant Cardone better watch out. We're going to steal his private jet. <laughs> no, you know, look, we had a, we had a phenomenal year in 2021. We were very blessed. We found ourselves into three partnerships, $105 million with the multifamily real estate. Uh, we went under contract for an acquisition in December. And so I think this year, the goal is to add another 75 to hundred million in our acquisition pipeline um, and start working ourselves to becoming vertically integrated, you know, um, a little bit longer term vision, but really work to start building again, just extending out the framework and infrastructure of this business to where, you know, we can bring things like property management and house, hopefully eventually construction and, and really just make this a generational uh, wealth type of business. So, um, but yeah, Brian, what do you think? I agree with that. We, we want to build good relationships with people. I mean, that's always a top priority for us. That was a top priority for us when we were getting started. We knew that relationships were going to get us to where we wanted to go. And as we continue along our journey, I mean, Cody, correct me if I'm wrong, every opportunity we have found ourselves in, whether it's a co-sponsorship or our deal or just opportunities to partner with other people, it's all like yourself, Sterling, it's all been relationship-based, forming good relationships with people. So we want to continue on that, that journey, continuing to meet new people, find new ways to add value, people form good, strong relationships. And we know it's going to lead to further opportunities to, uh, you know, find more investors who want to partner with us passively. And then to find more active sponsors that want to have as a part of their team. And then for us to get our own deals as well, to continue to grow our own portfolios, just one deal at a time, one good deal at a time. So the vertical integration, tell me about that. How do you make that decision? What do you, you know, cause you talk to a lot of big sponsors and some of them are like, Oh, I do everything in house. And the other one's like, Oh, thank God. I would never want to do property management. Um, and, and some of them say, well, you know, focus on the very, very, very defined area that you're the best at, you know? Um, and, and others like to control every aspect of, of production. So how did you come to the, to the decision that you want to become a vertically integrated company? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, look, there's pros and cons to, you know, whether you third party, third party or outsource, you know, your, your, uh, servicer providers, or you take it in house. So, you know, I, you brought up a good point there. It's, it just really dependent on your skill set. What you do need to understand is when you're going vertically integrated and you're bringing things like property management in house, it is a whole separate business. You know, you are, you are creating a whole nother business just from the acquisitions aside. So, you know, for us looking at how, how some of these bigger, more experienced operators are, are being very competitive, especially right now in this market cycle we're in, the one competitive advantage they have is being vertically integrated. They have, you know, control of the property management teams, the construction team that allows them to control costs and expenses and things like that, that we can't control because we're outsourcing that to a third party provider. And so, uh, you know, that has kind of always been in the back of our mind is getting to a point of scale where we can justify trying to take on that new arm of our business and, and start incorporating that. We're not there yet. We still have a little ways to go, but you know, some people do, they start out right out the gate and trying to own and operate uh, themselves. And I think, look, if that's in, in your wheelhouse and that's something you're comfortable with, go for it. Uh, for us, we're, we're trying to move with a little bit more momentum and, and really build out the acquisition pipeline. And, and like I said, get to a certain level of scale and then, then take that in house. So, um, you know, I don't know that I'm not saying to say it's going to happen 2021 or 2022, excuse me. I think, you know, that's probably, you know, maybe two, three years down the road, but it is something that's in the back of our mind and, and looking again, the more control that you have, 
the tighter operations you can operate and, and that just allows you to get more competitive. Um, Brian, what are your thoughts? Yeah. It also opens the door just to more opportunities because of competitiveness. You, you're really dialed into your costs. You've got some economies of scale where if you can especially pick up multiple assets in the same neighborhood, same area, you can sort of share resources. And it also opens the door to more opportunities for equity partners as well. You know, one of the things we've heard from a lot of really big experienced sponsors, but you know, 10, 15, 20,000 units is you're not going to get a private equity firm or family office to write you a five, 10, 15, $20 million check and buy a big deal JV style. If you're third party property managing. They want to know that you as the main sponsor have full control over the deal and can't go point the finger at somebody else when something goes wrong, right? You can't go, Ooh, the third party, they just weren't listening. They didn't follow our business plan. Sorry. Right. They want to be able to, the buck stops at you. You're the acquisition one, guy. One throat to choke. That's one throat to choke. So if you have ambitions of growing to that type of scale, which we do, and not everybody does, and that's okay. You have those types of ambitions, uh, even though property management may be a different type of business. It's different. It can be its own headache. We've heard from a lot of people. It's not a profitable operation, but you do it yeah. not necessarily for the money. You do it for the control and you do it for the amount of doors that it opens. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad I asked that question. That's a, that's a great perspective. Um, what advice do y'all have for any of our listeners that are, are just getting started? Oh man, there's so many different ways you can answer this question. I think right now, listen, if, if for anybody that's maybe newer into the space or who just entered maybe over the past year or two, uh, it's no secret that this is a very competitive landscape. Um, it's a very aggressive landscape. And so I think the focus on relationship building and education is going to be key right now. Um, pace yourself. Um, you know, this market cycle we're in, it's an exciting time, but you have to be very careful because a lot of people are having to stretch and get uncomfortable and sure. experienced operators are having to stretch and get uncomfortable to win deals. So I would just tell people, look, go build out your network. Again, figure out who you are, at who's your, what's your core investing thesis, figure out who your investor avatar is, go build out your network that, you know, to, to attract that avatar and then just keep focused on your education. The market's moving so fast right now. Things are changing day by day. Sometimes it feels like, uh, so keep your finger on the pulse, never stop, you know, reading, learning, keeping up to date with industry news um, and, and just stay visible. I agree with that for sure. Uh, relationships are the name of the game. So continue to build out your network, continue to educate yourself. You don't ever want to make any type of investment decisions. Even if you're using your own capital and you're buying your own deals and you don't have any partners, you want to be educated going into those situations. There is always some sort of a, I'll call it a leap of faith involved when you're buying that first deal, whether it's single family home, multifamily, whatever it is, you're always going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but there's that saying that if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. So, you know, do push yourself responsibly, I would say, but make educated decisions. Uh, surround yourself with a strong network, you know, talk to people. It's while it's great to talk to other people that are in your same spot, you know, new investors that don't have any deals all want to talk to each other. Right. And then yeah. the experienced yeah, people yeah, all yeah. want to talk to each other. Right. But the reality is, is you need to, uh, uh, you need to upgrade. Cross pollinate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to upgrade your network is kind of, you know, the way I like to tell myself, right. So you want to be, you want to be the, so to speak, you want to be the dumbest, dumbest guy, in the, guy room, in the room, right. So even though you might have 
$200 million of real estate that you manage. I want to be in a room where everybody has $500 million of real estate or a billion dollars of real estate, right? You always want to be the little, the little guy in the room. So continue to work on your network, continue to upgrade your network. That's going to help you, uh, you know, rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. So, um, that's, that's my advice. Find a good network, plug into it, get educated, and then go out there and just take action. You got to take that first leap of faith. Awesome. Great advice, guys. Um, in the sake of time, I'm going to move to our radio round real quick. Uh, first question, both of y'all get a chance to answer is what's your favorite book? So I've answered this question multiple different ways in different shows. Uh, I think one that's resonating with me right now, and this is just kind of a refresher think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. And the reason why I think that one is relevant for me right now is because everything in this business is a mindset it's all revolving around your mindset, you know, and, you know, being financially independent is a mindset. Being wealthy is a mindset, you know, building, building a strong business, uh, it all revolves around your mindset. And so, uh, you know, and that's where I think think and grow rich really, you know, that book was written decades ago, but it's still very yeah. much applicable today. So that's one of my favorite right now. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. For me, there's so many great books out there. One of the latest books I read was Traction. That's a phenomenal book if you haven't read it. Uh, but I'm, I would in say mid- like, I'm in the middle of it. It's a great book. Uh, it's especially if you're trying to build a business. Phenomenal. Sure. But I would say my go-to one that I definitely try to reread every year is uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen sure. Covey. So that's a really good book. It, it's not necessarily business per se, but it's definitely a mindset book. Understanding that yeah. if you're going to be successful in life, whether you're trying to be a dad, you're trying to be an employee, or you're trying to be an entrepreneur... Uh, you have to have these, these, uh, these good habits in place. And he kind of lays the framework on sort of the cycle you want to go through to build those good habits. So that's definitely my go-to book. No, those are great. Great answers. Great answers. What's y'all's favorite quote? Mm. I've been saying, uh, uh, who, not how lately a lot because another, another good book. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, I mean, every time we have a challenge, the great thing, we were talking about build out your network if you're just getting started. Right. And I mean, Cody did a phenomenal job before I even joined Blue Oak, started laying the foundation of this. And I've just tried to do my best to, you know, continue to, to add value to that, but you just really have to have a strong network. When you have a problem, guess what? Somebody else has already tackled this problem, whether it's a capital problem, an asset management problem, acquisitions problem. Somebody has seen this movie before and knows the answer to how to fix your problem. Sure. So uh, you know, the whole who, not how, I think that's really important, uh, when you're sort of getting started, because you get analysis paralysis when you're getting started, you're looking at all the numbers, but you're realizing sometimes you miss the big picture and those people that are more experienced at you that can help open your eyes a little bit can, can get you across the finish line. So I'm going to stick with that one. Awesome. That's a good one. Mine, I think would be build the business that you want to become, not the business that you are today. And, and I think that's, you know, again, it goes back to mindset where a lot of people they're starting out and they're only thinking that what what's within their grasp or means right now sure, and not looking at the forward vision and saying, Hey, how do I get to be, you know, that, that company, how do I get to be that business, uh, down the road? That's, you know, my long-term vision. Well, you need to start putting that in place now, you know, and, and get uncomfortable and, and put yourself in situations to grow, to achieve that, that, you know, long-term vision. So that would be my, my favorite is build your business to where you want to be, not where you are now. Awesome. Love it. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Do we even have time to do anything outside of work? 
You know, I'm, uh, I'm not old by any means, uh, but uh, as I am maturing, as I would say, and getting a little older, I've come to appreciate the, the opportunities that I have just to kind of take it easy, relax a little bit and spend time, quality time with family, kids, um, and just be in, be present in those little moments. And, uh, you know, I think that's my favorite thing is just spending time with my family. Yeah. Yeah. For me, definitely spending time with my wife, you know, we don't have any kids yet. So traveling, not as much because of COVID uh, the last year and a half or so, but definitely traveling, spending time with her. We love trying, going to new places that we've never been before, trying new foods that we've never been before. We never had before. Um, and really just trying to, you know, enjoy life as much as possible and, and, uh, just, you know, be happy, realize we, we're all trying to be entrepreneurs and be successful, you know, whatever that means. But I mean, come on, we live in America. We live a good life. We, we if we die tomorrow, we, we have everything, at least for me, I think we have everything that we thought we, you know, would never have when sure. we were very, very small. We're already very blessed. So I think just trying to remember that every day and uh, reflect on that and try to enjoy life. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining the show today. How can our listeners get in touch with you, learn from you, invest with you, find out more about you? Yeah, I appreciate that, Sterling. Thank you so much for having us again. And, uh, you know, Brian and I like to joke, we're not very hard to find. You can catch us on <laughs> most of your social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, you can find us at Cody Laughlin or Brian Alfaro. Uh, you want to check out some of our content that we're putting out, check out our website, www.blueinvest.com. If you want to learn how to partner with us and you would like to get on our investor list, check out www.blueoakinvest.com forward slash investor dash form. And if you want to connect with us directly, check us out at Cody or Brian at blueoakinvest.com. Are you reading that off of a little card in front of you? Cause that was a mouthful. I bet you, I bet you, <laughs> nope. I, bet you I bet you've done that a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like repetition now. <laughs> awesome. Hey, thanks again, guys. And I look forward to uh, catching y'all uh, this weekend and, um, and, and, and following your journey going forward. Likewise, Sterling. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at crestworthcapital.com or rentrollradio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestworthcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.